Nice to see everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us again this week. Um, okay, this is a, uh, you know, one, you know, Parshas Vayera is very, very, you know, chock full of very uh, powerful stories um, from beginning to end, right? In the beginning, uh, from the story of Achnas Orchim, being told they're going to have a child, uh, Sedom, the Akeda, there's like a lot to choose from here. So um, I thought we would go back to the way beginning of the story, the very first a story we're told in the Parsha and kind of really take a very, very close look at what is happening here at the very beginning. Um, and what there's, a, I think, a very uh, foundational lesson going on that um, that's important in terms of under, understanding really who Avram Avinu is. And it's related also to... Um, to how we understand the, the goals of what Avram is trying to accomplish in the world. Um, so Avraham, um, well, let's just take a look at the, at the, at the first book. Okay, so how does the Torah, how does the Parsha start? Right? So God appears to him in this place called El Amre, and he's sitting by the door of his tent in the heat of the day. So, um, hi, Rona. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, so fine. So he is standing by the door, sitting by the door, and Hashem reveals him to, himself to him. Well, you know, I'll ask you a question before that. What's a little strange about this puzzle? Or I should say, is there anything strange you see in this puzzle? Anything funny about it? love Hashem. Yeah, who? Who? To whom is God revealing himself? God has, is revealing himself a love. To who? I mean him. If you would start an essay with, I was talking to him, so the teacher would tell you, you need to explain to me who you're talking about. Right? You can't just use the word him. Him always references somebody who I've already, re- I, I've already introduced somebody. Right? So who's him? Why, and why, and, and what, okay, we figured out very quickly, it's Avram. But... What, why does the Torah go out of its way to, to refer to Avram as him when there is, you know, okay, it's clear that it's Avraham, but why not let us know something more about, about who this person is? Okay, good. Um, and what happens? And what happens? Avram sees these people coming and he runs to greet them, he bows down, and then, you know, Vayomer Adonai, he says, My, my Lord, If I found favor in your eyes, please don't, don't leave me. Right? Stay here. So, and he says, Take water, etc., etc., etc. And we see the whole story of Hachanas Um any, Anything about this, this part of the story that is a little bit strange to you? Or maybe I should say from the introductory pasuk to what continues afterwards. God has revealed himself to Avraham. He's revealed himself to Avraham. And he's sitting and you know enjoying the sun. And Avraham lifts up his eyes and he runs and he runs to greet to greet these three people. Anything funny about that sequence of events? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If he... <laughs> there we go. Yeah, if, Rona. If Hashem is in his presence, then like, where is he running to go greet strangers? I don't know about you. If God is sitting and visiting me, 
I'm not like, like, you know, like if my phone buzzes while I'm having a conversation with God, like I'm probably going to ignore the buzz. Right. Right? Unless it's my wife. But I'm saying like otherwise, right? I'm like, <laughs> right? You're going to ignore the buzz. You're going to ignore it. Why? You, you, you put your phone on airplane mode or something. You know what I mean? Like three people are coming by. I get it's a mitzvah to do achnas zorichim, but like what does that even mean? You're talking, it's not, it's not unclear. God is talking to him. And he, and he sees three people, like, runs away, right? And this actually connects to, the next, to this part of the Pasuk. Vayomer Adonai, he says Adonai. Who's Adonai? If it's fine, favor my eyes, do not, do not leave me. Who's talking to whom? Avram's talking. Who's he talking to? Okay, you could say Avram's talking to Hashem. Is that how you? Is that how people typically read this pasuk? Probably not. <laughs> no, you're right. It, I don't know. The truth is, the translation over here, right, says "my Lord," right? That's talking to God, presumably. What's the other way to read the pasuk? Adonai could also be plural for my, my masters, right? My masters, don't run away. That's the thing that we usually read it. My masters, don't run away from me, right? It's come and then next pasuk, right? Take water, wash your feet, and come, come sit down. I'll give you a meal, right? He's talking to the three strangers, right? He's talking to these three malachim. But it's a very bizarre and very ambiguous conversation, right? You but have maybe got... that's the point. Uh, what do you mean? That maybe the point is that in other people, you should see Hashem. Oh, well, Jenny, you always, like, take us to, like, step Z before we get, like, get, like... It's like, give us the punchline before we even like get started. No, you're, you're right. No, you're, it's a good point. What do you mean? Explain that. What do you mean? Um, that you should see Hashem in everything. You should see Hashem in, in your guests. You should... So I mean, when he says Adonai, when he says my masters, he's also saying, he's talking to HaKadosh Baruch at the same time. Like when he speaks to these people. It's almost like a play on words. Right, it's like it's like a double entendre, right? He's like using it to speak to, to, to the people, but really he's also speaking to God, right? That he sees in them godliness. Very interesting. That's a very interesting shot. Okay, good. What and, and, if, and if he's talking to God, what's he saying? To, if it's a conversation directly with God, what's he saying to God? Just hold on one minute. I'll yeah, gonna, <laughs> I'll just, just, just give me a second. I'll be. Can you, God, you don't have anything to do today, right? Can you just like. I always feel this way. If you're listening to the radio and they have like a guest on the radio and they go to commercial, and they're like, "Yo, just hang, just hold up there, hang on there," and like you have to, it's like 15 minutes of like commercials, right? Like the person has nothing. It's like famous person. They know nothing to do, right? They're just gonna hang online and listen to all your commercials about like you know motor oil and like you know wait while you while you while you uh, and, and come back. So like the emotional, and we said like God, like you know, do me a favor. Can you just like hold up? Do me a favor. Don't leave. And then he runs to ha- to help the uh, to help the guest. Well, if that's the if that's the shot, that's also weird, right? Also weird. Like, how does that work? You can ask God just to wait a minute. Like, how, that also seems well, funny. Well, that and also is the next pasuk yitach na ma'amayim. Is that is he saying that? Because if he's saying that, then is he talking to two people at the same time? Like, if pasuk gimel was to Hashem, pasuk dalit is clearly to the Correct. The simple shot clearly is that he's talking to the people because you're right. If you go from Pasuk Gimel to Pasuk Dal, it's very hard to argue that he's talking to Hashem and now he's talking to him. But is it possible? Could you read it that way? 
You could. You could read it that way, right? It's not like the normal way to read it. Vayomar Hashem Don't leave me. And then he turns to them and says, Yukach na mazmayim. There's definitely a possibility that he did that. Um, and even, by the way, even though he ran over to the people, he left God to run to the three people, why is that not a problem that he can say that to God? Because God is nowhere. Right? So he, well, God is everywhere. Right? But he can say to God, while he's standing there, almost like, yo, God, do me a favor? You know? And then he goes back to the people. There, there is that possibility. It could happen. Okay. Good. Good. Um, so the, the Rishonim pick up on this kind of strange thing. Oh, there's one other strange part about the, 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 this visit from Hashem. What else is strange about the visit from God here? What usually happens when God visits somebody? I don't know from experience, but I know from the Torah. They, they have something specific to tell them. Yeah. Hashem, like, there's a purpose, there's a conversation, there's a communication, there's a something. And here, we know nothing, nothing. why he visited. Right. Very good. What's going on here? What, what's the purpose? Right. Vayomer Hashem, I'm God has conversations with people all the time. He visits people on occasion in the Torah, right? Usually to give them some type of message. There's something, and by the way, the same thing happens with Avraham. When God comes to Avraham, you know, uh, the Akeda, whatever it is he's showing up for, he shows up to, to tell him something, right? So it does make sense that when God shows up, usually he tells them something. In this case, that's not the case. And here, for sure, God showed up. Right? But we don't have God have any conversation with Avram at all now. What, what do we have later, though? Do we not have a conversation now? But we do have a conversation later. Actually, a number of conversations that take place. What would those be? So the Malachim themselves are going to deliver a message later, right? They're going to deliver some message to Avraham about, you know, about his wife, etc. And then, and then, by the way, when the Malachim leave, the Pasuk actually says, See, a very important Pasuk, that Avram remains standing in front of Hashem, which almost sounds like what? That a whole story ends, the Malachim leave, and what happens? And God waited on, on the line, right? He waited there for Avram to now continue the conversation. The conversation really was going to be, maybe at that point, about Sodom. And then they have a whole back and forth. Concept of like even we had it with mitzvahs. So if your train of thought wasn't broken, it's like you still were doing the mitzvah the whole time. So maybe Avram actually was paying attention to Hashem, like he knew he was there the whole time. So he was still standing in front of Hashem because his train of thought was never he never lost the it. Fact that he was with Hashem. Yeah, it's like one of the things we say about um, about Birchos Hatorah. Why do you have to only make Birchos Hatorah one time a day? Usually with mitzvos, you have to make the bracha each and every time. So Birchos Hatorah. Right, the bracha you make before learning, so you only have to make that bracha once a day, and it's good for the whole day. So why is it says? Because the whole day you're involved in learning. You're involved in Torah, you're involved, right? So certainly, I'm Ravinu, you'd say, right, he's involved in this the whole time, so he's odenu amidiv Hashem. The whole, I mean, it's like a, it's a good musr, right? That he's like, the whole time, he's been omidiv Hashem. He was there the whole time. That's an interesting idea. I like that. I like that. Um, let's, see what, let's see what some of the Rishonim say. Let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi, Says, and this is also a, a, a oft quoted Rashi, that why this is uh, source number one on your sheet. What, what, what was going on here? It says, Rashi, right, why did Hashem come to Avram to visit the sick? That God came and he wanted to see how Avram was doing. Meaning, why, don't we, why are we not told the conversation? There was a conversation. 
Hashem showed up. Avram, that was like a good thing that you did, this whole Brist Mila thing. You know, I know that was hard for you. But I'm here and I want to, you know, right? came, came to visit the sick. Um, where does that come from? Like, it's like a random, is that a random explanation of this Pasuk? Because the very... The last thing that had just happened. Bingo, right. We're going from the end of Parakid Zion is the very last story. This always happens in, in the in the, in the Mepharshim, right? They want to explain to you, you want to know what happened now? Well, you got to look what happened at the end of last week's Parsha. By the end of last week's Parsha, no one's paying attention anymore, right? By Shvi, of the, of the, by, by the seventh Aliyah, everyone's like tuned out. So we forget sometimes. Rishon, everybody knows what happens in the, first, the, the beginning of every Parsha, right? But the end, we don't always know. So the end of that Parsha was the story of the, of the Brismila. He does the Brismila. Um, and he gives it Yishmael a brismila, and then Vayar Elav Hashem, and then right away Hashem shows up. So says what? Rashi, very simple. I'll tell you what he's there for. It's a Gemara, but I'll tell you what he's there for. He's there to visit him because he just uh, he just had a brismila. Okay, it's not a simple shot, but it, it it it's not totally crazy. Rashbam, source number two, Vayar Elav Hashem, Heich. How did God reveal Himself to Abraham? Says the Rashbam, Shabo Elav Shloshan Hashim Shayu Malachim. What, and this is where the Rashbam is always, right? Rashbam is always looking for the most simple, basic explanation of the text. Always, right? So he says, what do you mean? So what's the Rashbam getting at? Like we always ask, what's bothering Rashi? What's bothering the Rashbam here? What's his problem with this? God has revealed himself and we're not told any conversation and then three strangers show up. How does the Rashbam answer that question? The way that God revealed himself was through these three people. Look what's it was like a title. Here's what's gonna happen. Revelation is about to happen right now. How's it gonna happen? Not by God Himself. It's gonna happen through angels. And he says, and he says, Shibowe love Shoshana Shim Shahumalachim was three angels who came. Whenever many times when a malach comes to a person, we say, Hashem came to him. Right? Right, a lot of times we find that because the kidasiv kishmi bikirbo shlucho kamoso. Right, someone who is your servant is like you. The person you send is like yourself. And you have a lot of stories, right? When Moshe Rabbeinu sees the burning bush, it actually says that a malach spoke to him. But we always say that God spoke to him through the bush. So was it him? Was it a malach? The point is, it's the same thing. And we actually have a, a, a number of places where people, I think Shimshon's parents, they see a malach and they say, "We saw Hashem." Right? It, it's, it's very much a godly revelation if you're going to see a malach, because the malach is just, is just a messenger of God. So the Rashbam, in a very, I think, uh, this is, I think, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen this Rashbam before, but it's very nice. But right? he, he answers all the questions in one fell swoop, right? Who is he talking to? Who is, right? No, this, this, it's all the same conversation. He's not telling Hashem to wait. He's not, this whole thing is God. It's God showing up. This is the way God shows up, and therefore everything follows. You no longer have to worry. But wait a second, I thought you were talking to God, now we're talking to different people. No, we're all, it's all one conversation. It's actually very, it's a very kind of like clever way of dealing with the problem. However, the Gemara is not totally on board with this. The Gemara in Shabbos and Kuf Zion says as follows, source number three. Amr Bihura Marav, Gedola Hachnasas Orchem Me Kabbalas Paneashtina. It is greater to the mitzvah of bringing someone into your home than to talk to God. Somewhat surprising thing to say. How do I know? Because, Dichsev, by Yomer Hashem, Imna, Matsasi Chem Benechal, Al Nasa, Vormi Alavdecha. 
So notice how, you notice what the the pasuk says, "Vayomer Hashem." We have it in our in our chumash. It says, "Vayomer Adonai Alaf Dalan Nun Yun." Not with Yud Hey Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, right? So the but the Gemara here assumes that Adonai refers to whom? Refers to Kadosh Baruch right? So you see that he did. He put them. He put Hashem on hold, right? In order to go deal with these people who may or may not have been. Avram didn't know they were angels. He thought they were people. And even though they were people, it didn't matter. He was going to still put God on hold and go run to help the people. And that itself is maybe the lesson here, says the Gemara. Um, and, Amr, and then he goes further. That the Mida of Hashem is not like the Mida of people. Why? And with human beings, you don't say to someone who's greater than you, can you just say, you know, hang out and wait and then I'll come to you? That's not how it works, right? Right? It's like bizarre that he should be able to say that to God. But the point is that, yeah, God is actually much more forgiving than human beings. And Avram was allowed to say that to God to get him to wait. But the point is that you see that from the Gemara. The Gemara is much more in line with sort of Rashi's point, which is that this, this are, these are human beings, or at least Avram thinks they're human beings. And nevertheless, what's the point? So what's the point, according to the Gemara? What's the message here? Not that God was revealing himself necessarily in the Malachim, even though he was, but what's the, what's the real point we learn at that moment? Right, that in a certain strange way, the mitzvah is, is more important, right? More important than having a conversation with the Rebona Shalom, which I think needs explanation, right? What does that mean? And, and why is that, again, this is a, this is a defining moment for Avram. This is, this is, if you talk to any, any you know, second grader about Avram Avinu, what's the first thing they're going to talk to you about with Avram? Not the Akedah, what are they going to talk about? Him sitting in his tent, right? Yeah. Ever been to Eretz Breshit in Israel, right? You sit in the tent and it has open on all fours. I still remember the project I made in first grade with, with my teacher, right? That we did with Mora Cohen. We made a, a tent with four sides open. I, like, to this day, I remember that, that, that project because it defines Avram. Avram and Sarah are defined by this Midah Achnasas Orchem. And it's because it's a center stage at the way beginning of the Parsha. And there's something about this, this, this mida that's important to them. And that's important that, that, that it, it gets shown to us here. Um, the Ramban says it a little, a little different, a little different point here, but it's very interesting what he says. I, I have here actually the English from the Nechama Leibovitz. Um, it's a long Ramban, so the English is actually a little easier, even though the English is not so modern either, but we'll see. Take a look what he says. The Ramban says, The Torah narrates that the Lord appeared to Abraham while he was still recovering from his circumcision, in order to inform us that no prophetic revelation was here involved. Avram did not fall on his face, nor pray. Nevertheless, his, this vision was vouchsafed uh, him purely as a mark of honor to him. So Ramban takes the approach that, not, no, this wasn't, this wasn't just an introduction to you know, seeing everybody else. This was a, uh, you know, eventually seeing the Malachim. This was itself... Uh, a moment. That first Pasuk defer, defines for us a certain important moment that God came to visit Avraham even though they didn't speak. Even though they didn't speak. It doesn't, this, by the way, doesn't go against the Gemara that's saying that God was visiting and then Avraham left. Fine. But the question is, what was the value of that moment of, uh, that moment of revelation which doesn't involve any conversation? Why is that valuable? 
So his point is, nevertheless, this vision was, again, it was a, a mark of honor. As par- a parallel to this may be found in Leviticus, where it stated that they went forth and blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. The people were rewarded by revelation of the divine presence. Meaning that at some points, there's a value and a reward that comes just from experiencing Hashem. In both cases, this revelation was accompanied by no message nor command, but constituted, uh, but constituted the reward for previous obedience to let them know that God had favorably accepted their deeds. In the sense alluded to in, the, in, in Psalms, as for me, I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake, when I awake with thy likeness. Right? Just, just spending time with the Kaddish Baruch in a certain sense. And we find the same thing with Yaakov. Right? And the Malachim come and meet him. We find a time when, when, Malachim, when Yaakov is coming back from Lavan's house, so Malachim show up at Machanayim and they switch or whatever, but the bottom line, he just hangs out with Malachim. Why is he just hanging out with him? What's the value? He's not giving a message. The point is, sometimes there's a value just in spending time with the Ribbon Shalom. Abraham, too, was granted this privilege of the divine revelation. It was accorded as well, so our sages say to the Jewish people as a whole at the, at, at the Yamsuf, at the Red Sea, where the handmaid at the Red Sea witnessed what, what the prophet Ezekiel was not granted to see. Right? They experienced at Yamsuf, again, there was no um, actual message given at Yamsuf. There was something that they saw. But again, there's, we were told there that the experience of seeing Hashem and experiencing God is itself... Um, is, excel, is itself of value. And he continues to say there, don't be confused, he says, the fact that we have this story, like a new, a new parak, Hashem, it's totally connected to the previous. Because why does God come to visit him? Because he did the bris right? The fact that he did the bris was itself a way of showing his commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and God, therefore, at that point, you know, um, responds with, that, uh, uh, with an appreciation for that in that way. Hold on one second. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said for this, and I think I think um, sorry I'm just gonna stop sharing for one second. Um, it's a very interesting idea here, right? The idea of God coming to visit. Like, what does that even mean to us? It's kind of hard to experience, hard to appreciate. What would you say as like, what's the value in the Torah teaching us, talking to us about God simply coming and sitting with Abraham? Any thoughts about that? It's a little, like, hard. I mean, clinically, there is a value to just sitting in silence sometimes, um, regardless of whatever the reason is. I mean, I'm sure we could come up with a list of reasons why that could benefit Avram right now. But just clinically, it is something that we do. We just sit sometimes in silence. Right. Absolutely. It's actually the halacha when it comes to uh, a base avil. If you go to be Menachem Avil by somebody, so right, we always have this uncomfortable thing where you sit there quietly and no one wants to say anything and then someone says something inappropriate. And everyone's like, oh gosh, why'd you say that? Um, and really what's supposed to happen is you're not supposed to say anything. The halacha is you don't say anything to an avil until the avil actually speaks. So then what, 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 what's the value there? The answer is no, that's the point. There's a value in just being present. Is it value in showing the person that you showed up for them, that you sit with them, even if you have nothing to say? I have taken me a long time to learn. Sometimes if you have nothing to say, it's okay, just don't say anything. Better to say nothing sometimes than say something, force something bizarre and weird and uncomfortable for people. Um, and maybe, again, that, that, may, that itself may be a value. Um, Rav Cook actually says that, he quotes a medrash, that often there's actually fascinating medrash about Avram's fear before the uh, before the Bris Mila, that he was nervous, no one was gonna spend time with him anymore. 
because Avram, again, was this person who just wanted to share God with the world. But if you would do a bris milah, this is actually a measure. He, he goes to his friends, Einar Eshkel and Mamre, and he says to them, should I do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. And what's his fear? His fear is, and the measure says that he says, until now, everyone would come and they'd sit in my tent and they'd hang out with me and I'd give them something to eat and drink and they'd say, thank you. I'd say, don't thank me. Thank God, There's a midrash like this. And he says, but now no one's going to come to me. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. They're going to think I'm doing this very strange, bizarre act and they're not going to come to me anymore. And the Hashkar Shabbat comes to sit with him, sort of just to kind of like comfort him. Like, I know this is hard for you. And he sits there, Rav Cook says. And that explains also, by the way, why the greatest comfort is people come. He sends, he sends people to come visit him. So he shouldn't feel, again, like he's lost out that now he can't do his, do his life's mission. Um... Hold on one second, sorry. Um, I saw something else. I thought it was, that was very interesting also. Um, and uh, Nechama Leibovitz kind of points out that this idea that also God coming without communicating but just having that experience is very nice. It shows a special connection to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. But why then does Avraham walk away? Why is the Torah so emphatic why is that such an important thing to show us? What's the value there? What would you say? I can sit. And... I don't know about the value, but you know, you, we all start out teaching our kids very young. Hashem is here. Hashem is there. Hashem is everywhere. So if if you know Hashem is going to be there when you get back, but people are temporary. Ah. You know, maybe you want to go and give attention to the temporary thing first, and then the, you know the permanent thing is going to be. There. Okay, very good. But it's it's almost a sense of of trust. I know that Kadosh Baruch will be there when I'm ready to come back. Like he's not he's not going anywhere. The person needs help, so I'm gonna run. I'm you know I'm I'm in the middle of uh, learning or whatever, and someone needs help. So I, if I come, I can come back to the mitzvah, Kadosh Baruch will be waiting for me, right? But I can. But that person who needs help, that's that, that's never gonna. That's not going to be taken care of by itself. Very interesting. I, I actually just read a story in the Magid Speaks that was exactly that. Yeah. That the, these guys were learning in the base medrash, and someone came in um, and asked them to help him pick up his horse that fell over. Ah. And they went back and forth for like 10 minutes to decide what to do. And they decided to keep learning because it was Bittal Torah to leave. And the drunk guy in the corner said, no, you made the wrong decision. And it was ultimately someone's leg got amputated because of the first <laughs> of something. Anyway, but it was no, the but yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's a story like that. And they're like, sorry, we can't. And they're like, no, you could. You just didn't want to. Yeah. And like, you could have helped me. Yes. And it's like, such, it's like, it's like this, like, you know, I'm involved in a Vodos Hashem, so I can't help that person. And the, vet, and the, and the answer is, no, they're, they're, it's both of Vodos Hashem. Right? Like the, the, the irony of Avram walking away from God to take care of a human being is that that's exactly what God wanted them to do, right? That sometimes we, want, we, we sacrifice, we give up our own spirituality even at times, right? For the, for the value of kavrabrios, of taking care of somebody else. Or sometimes, in the, forgetting even that direction, that there's this sense that we don't, you know, that beidam l'chaveir and beidam l'makam are two separate things. Whereas, they're, they're really not. And I, and, uh, I saw, it was quoted from, um, if you guys know who, who uh, Henny Machlis was, you know, Henny Machlis, or Machlis yeah. in Yerushalayim, so, they, and their, their mitzvah was Achnas Zorchim, right? They would just bring a zillion people to their house. 
And so you could argue, like, what, like, what's the, I don't know, what's, like, what's the value there of just having a million people over or getting people to come to your house? It's very nice, but like, what's the value? And uh, Rav Avon Willig, so Rabbi Willig's son, so he's Henny uh, Machas' son-in-law. And so he was quoted as saying once, he said that his mother-in-law knew that the greatest kedusha is bringing someone into your house and giving them a meal. Because when you're by yourself in your house, you're wrapped up in your own personal needs. Right? You're just, we all just get so enveloped in things that we need. And we don't recognize the needs of somebody else. And when you do go after the needs of somebody else, and you visit somebody, and you bring them into your house, or whatever it is that you do, what are you doing when you do a chesed for another person? You're being machshiv them. You're showing them that they have chashivas. You're showing them that you notice them. You're showing them that they matter. And you're showing them that they have a tzalem alakim, that you see something beautiful inside of them. And it's not just like, you know, having my friends over. That's also true. And by the way, today, I think, like in these days, just being able to, you know, to spend time with somebody else, I think that we, we probably notice it more than we usually did do. You know, the idea of we value being able to spend time with someone or, or visiting someone who, who needs to be visited, in a, and I think in a very unique way, more than we usually do. And the reason it's so valuable is because it shows a recognition of your value. Right? I'm going to walk away from the Bone Shalom, and I'm going to go to you. That's not walking away from the Bone Shalom. Right? When, I, when I walk away from God to go to a person, I'm not leaving God. And it connects to a really, really nice idea that I, I actually, I said this uh, over on Shabbos, but, but it's such a powerful idea. I saw Rav Moshe Avigdor Amiel was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv. He was actually the chief, the Rabbi Soloveitchik was actually up in 1935. Maybe he was a candidate for the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv and he lost to Rav Moshe Avigdor Amiel. And so it's a good thing for the Jewish community in America that he lost. Um, but... Um, Rav Amiel says, what was, the, what was the thing? What was Avram Avinu's secret? What was so special about him? And he says, if you're going to tell me it's like he was a monotheist. And he says, it's not true. It's not enough. Because first of all, there were other monotheists. There are other people believed in God. You have like Elimelech, Avimelech, we have Malkit Tzedek, we meet people, Shein Ve'ever, people who knew about God also. Avram was not the only person and not the first person to know God. There were other people who knew God and even people in his generation who knew about God. But if, and also, Avram is not just the the founder of monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, etc. But it's also, it's all, those Judeo-Christian values become the backdrop or the foundation of like justice and morality in Western civilization. This whole country is founded on Judeo-Christian values, right? Um, so, and he argues, you know, so it's nice to say that he was a monotheist. That's great. First of all, he wasn't the only monotheist. And second of all, believing in one God doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to lead a life of of you know taking care of others, justice, and morality, etc. So he says, if you notice in the Psukim, there's one very specific change that takes place, one word that changes in the Torah from that when Avram shows up. When when Adam meets his wife, he says about her, she's Basari She's from my bone, she's from my flesh. And from the time that Adam says that, again he's just recognizing who she is physically. The the, God, the Torah refers to human beings as Basar. So when it comes time to destroy the, the Jewish people, the, destroy the world in the, in the flood, God calls them, it's a ko basar, it's Humankind is referred to as basar over and over again at our basis, mo, basis most physical you know, reflection as, as humans, that we are just flesh, like animals. When Avraham shows up, all of a sudden humankind is referred to as nefesh. 
the very first time when they say an Avram and Sarah leave, what do they say? Who came with them? Ha-nefesh asher subacharan, right? It was the nefesh. It's just referring to human beings who came with them. And over and over again, Avram refers to himself as nefesh when, they, when they're sitting, when they go to Mitzrayim. And he says to, he says to, to Sarah, say you're my sister. Why? Laman yitavli bavareich v'chaisa nafshi biglalech. In order that you should, you should, I should live and my, that you, they should do good for you and that my soul should live. He's trying to save his body. He's trying not to be killed. But he calls it nafshi. And from that point on, human beings are never again referred to as basar, but as nefesh. And why is that significant? Rav Amiel says, because at that point, if you know you're a nefesh, if you know you, you come from the Yubon Shalom, if you know you come from God, so that means that other people come from God, and it reflects, right, it changes the way I view how I should treat other people, and it also makes a greater responsibility to myself. I'm, I'm godly. So I have a certain responsibility to live a moral life. And, and, and it goes to the point where actually when, in last week's partial, when they fight the four kings and the five kings, Melech Sedom comes to, Moshe, to Avram at the way end to, 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 you know, to uh, split up the bounty of the war. And he says to him, um, so he, he says, uh, what does he say? He says, give me the nefesh, right? Tell me a nefesh, give me the people, and you take the money. Basically saying to Avram, like, I'll take the slaves and you take the money. But even as he's referring to slaves, Melech Sedom, I don't, I don't know a lot about Melech Sedom, but I know that he wasn't a very moral person. But when he's speaking to Avram, all of a sudden he refers to human beings, not as Basar. You would think of all people to refer to human beings as Basar, be Melech Sedom. In the times of Avram, you don't call human beings Basar anymore, you call them Nefesh. It speaks to an elevated sense of who, I, who, who I'm supposed to be and who everyone else is around me. And Rav Amiel says, that was what, that's what Avram brought to the world. The sense that other human beings have a Salam Elohim, that other human beings have valued that when I leave God and I go to people, I haven't left God. I've come right back to God. And that there's no difference between between Binam Lechaveo and Binam Lemakom in that sense. And it also, it's like so, was, I found this so striking because I've always found it to be a funny thing. We always talk about Avraham as the great monotheist, right? He believes in one God. And Avraham also is the great Baal Chesed. And it's like, okay, but what do the two have to do with each other? They're both nice things. They're both beautiful. But the answer is that they're entirely intertwined. Because right? if I believe in God and believe that every single human being comes from, from a godly place, that should translate into how I, how I look at people and how I treat people and how I talk to people and how I perform, what I do for people. And that I don't feel like I'm missing out when I leave God to go to a human being. Because that's what believing God's all about. And so really, it, it totally it changes the way and I think makes, makes Avram's contribution much more profound. Because it's not just that, and that, that you know, Judaism is about believing in God, but it's about recognizing the godliness in other people and recognizing the godliness in yourself and therefore changing the way, not just the way I believe and the way I think, but the way I act. And that's why Avraham becomes not just the founder of monotheistic religions, but the founder of you know, all of Western civilization's approach to justice and morality, because it all comes from that exact place. So in that sense, I, I think it all traces back in a certain sense to this first story. And he says to God, hold up, I'll be right back. I'm going to human beings. God has no problem with that. And the, and the Gemara has no problem with that. And the, Torah, the Gemara says, actually, it's better. Why is it better? Because you're taking that amuna and making it practical. You're taking that experience, that, that knowledge that you have, and you're bringing it to real life. 
And it sounds like kind of like, you know, in certain sense, a little hokey, but, but I think it's just because sometimes things that are like that are really just true. Um, and I think it's very, uh, very powerful, very powerful message. Ron, what do you got for me? So, if we're in the middle of davening, let's say a Sunday morning, and someone collecting tzedakah money knocks on our door, what what is our takeaway? Right. What's our takeaway? Look, if you're in the middle of Shmona Esrei, you don't have to stop in the middle of Shmona Esrei. But if you're in the middle of, you know, you're, you know, I'm you get... So you, so you open the door and you show them that you're davening. If it's a person coming to the tzedakah, they're going to appreciate that. And you tell them to wait a second and you finish davening and then you go, you go to them. But yeah, it, again, it doesn't mean like you don't have to abrogate the halakha. But, but there are a lot of halakhos, but in terms of like what comes first, you know, like, you know, the, the sense that someone is... I'll give, you, I'll give you an example that I like better. Okay? I'll give you an example that I think speaks to this even more. Sometimes we are called upon, certainly like in family situations... Um, social situations at times to, you know, be a little more flexible in our, uh, whether it's observance or, you know, again, not to violate the halacha, but like, you know, something that's a little less, less, you know, it's not exactly what I want to do. I'd really rather do something a little better. You know, some, you know, classic example I'll give you is like a kid comes home from, from Israel, right? And like, he wants to daven at the slow minion, but his dad davens at the ex minion. So like, my answer is you go with your father to the other minion, right? Like, like, what are we here for? What are we doing? What's the goal, right? But yeah, but it's more spiritual for me if I do this. Yeah, but it's more actually more spiritual for you. Maybe, maybe. Depends on the situation, right? To do the chesed. You can do both. Sometimes you can get both at the same time, right? There are times when you're able to. Yeah, so that's not like, you know, if I hang out with that group, you know, or this person who's, uh, you know... Uh, you know, again, there's a lot. There's always a balance here, right? Every person has to choose their surroundings and the experiences they have, and you have to do what you can to elevate yourself, and you want to elevate yourself. But there are times when you have to be a little bit flexible, and sometimes we think that that flexibility is a lowering of our spirituality. When at times the low, that 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 flexibility is is actually raising our spirituality, um, because we get so so hung up on like, did I get the exact like minion that I wanted the way I wanted it? Did I get the, you know, the the exact hashkacha exactly how I wanted? You know, again, I'm. It's a balance always, but but there's a time to say, I think this is the right move. I think this is the right move, and this is what if this is what Karshbach is asking of me right now, then then it's a vodas Hashem. It's not a, right, I'm not. It's not a sacrifice. It's actually exactly what he's asking of me. Does that make sense or no? No, it totally does. Um, I think it, 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 it removes, it takes away, in a certain sense, that line between like, there are differences, but they're not as different as we think. Yeah? Okay. Good. You know, it's also very interesting because, um, like, we always talk about how in Christianity there's an intermediary, but it actually goes beyond that because it, it shows that in Judaism you actually have a personal relationship. But in Christianity, you really can't have that personal relationship without something in between. It's like one step removed. So it's a, it's just, it's, I think it's, I don't know, I was thinking about how fascinating it is, the difference. Um, that it's, just, it's so much more than an intermediary. That personal relationship 
um, sets you up for so many things in life. That's the Bena Damla Aftmo part of it, I feel like it is. Like yeah, you what you mean? That your decision is between the Bena Damla Makom and Bena Damla Javero, but there's a third choice, which is a Bena Damla Aftmo, which is the right thing for me to do, which is the one that's personal for me. And then that's how I can decide if the, what I should do right now is for Hashem or for other people. Right, I guess so. I mean, so, yes. Um, depends how you define it. You're right. Sometimes, sometimes a person's making a choice. Like, what thing is like going to help me connect more, etc. Um, yeah, you could say it that way. But I think also there's just like this, this. I, I guess what I'm. This is just my personal take. Is that it's like a that the bidam lechaveru is a bidam lemako. It emanates from bidam lemako. It's it's not. They're not two separate things. It's not that God said be nice. And it's, it is also that, but it's that being nice is recognizing godliness, right? That being nice, being kind, being sensitive. If if we're not doing that, there's like something wrong in the Bidam Lamakum also, right? That they, they have to go together. If I'm like if I'm like super, super Bidam Lamakum and like my Bidam Lamakum like doesn't work so well, then like that's or and by the way, it's also fascinating to think about the other direction. Right? If I'm Bidam Lamakavero heavy, but I'm not reflecting Right, back being on the makom, so there's gonna be something lacking about being on the chaver also. Isn't that one of the reasons why they say the second place of Mikdash was destroyed? That we were learning Torah, but we didn't, we forgot that the Torah comes from Hashem? Yes. They didn't, they didn't make a birchas Torah. Like, you just, you, it's a religion, they, as, they, as they say, it's the Hasidim, that the, the, the Misnagdim, right, the Lifaks, they serve the Shulchan Aruch, and the Hasidim serve Hashem. Chas v'chalil, it's not true. But, right, but like, that's like uh, one of the shtachs on, on right? we're, we're so focused on the halacha that we forget that the Rebona Shalom gave the halacha. Right? It's like, right? So like remind ourselves sometimes. We, we think there's a sense sometimes that talking about God is like not sophisticated, you know? Certainly today, people like that, talking about God is not a sophisticated conversation. And we like, so we don't do it as much. Um, but, that, but that really, it's, it's the center, it's obviously, it's the center of everything. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Rabbi Cohn. Thank have, you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. You too. Balance.